You're listening to the Core Life Training. What is it? Core Life Training Podcast. Of course it is. With Jeff Olson. What's up, my friends? This is Jeff with the Core Life Training Podcast, where we dig into the Bible, get down with some killer tunes, and cool out with a tasty, tasty drink of choice. Welcome to episode number 20. So over the summer, I've been cranking on a brand new Core Life Training course called Next Level Bible Reading. And the goal of this course is to teach you the Bible reading skills that will really help you get the most value out of what you read in Scripture. And in this episode, what I want to do is I want to share my motive for making this new course. Why am I making a new course in the first place? And I want to share four major roadblocks that typically keep people from getting the most out of their Bible reading. You might have experienced one or two of them in your own life. Later, I'm also going to share a brand new guide that I've written to help you get through those roadblocks. It'll help you engage with Scripture. It'll give you a plan to engage with Scripture in a way that I think will be a game changer for you. So if you're ready to roll, grab your Bible, grab your notebook and your drink of choice, and let's get down to business. All right, dig it. Now, why am I making a brand new course called Next Level Bible Reading? Well, one reason comes out of my own experience with the Bible. So as a brand new believer, as a teenager who just came to the Lord out of drug addiction and all kinds of crazy stuff, I got a Bible at this little youth group that I started going to, and I got the impression right away that I was supposed to read the Bible. It wasn't an impression. They told me, yeah, read your Bible. In fact, read it every day. Uh, Later, I kind of got the impression that if I read it every day, I'd be a better Christian, and if I didn't, I'd be a bad one. That's a topic for a whole other podcast episode. Uh, But I got the sense that I'm supposed to be reading this Bible, and listen, I was on fire, man. I meant business for the Lord. So I did. I read my Bible. I got a spiral-bound notebook and a pencil, and I sat down at my little desk every day, and I read the Bible. Now, it didn't take me long to realize or or come to sense that I wasn't exactly sure what I was supposed to be getting out of my reading. Like, I was reading, didn't really know what I was supposed to be getting out of it. Some things were kind of hard to understand. I wasn't exactly sure how some things connected with my real life. And honestly, nobody was helping me with this. And Nobody was explaining how to get anything out of the Bible. They just kind of said, read it. And I was super committed, so I just kept trying and trying and trying. But all along, I had the sense that I could probably be getting more out of my Bible reading. In fact, not only did I have the sense that I could be getting more out of it, I wanted more out of it. I wanted to know God. I wanted to love God. I wanted my life to be changed and transformed through the Scriptures I just didn't know exactly how to get all of that out of my Bible reading time. So one reason I made this course is from my own experience, struggling to get meaning and get value out of my Bible reading time. Another reason I'm making this course is because I've dealt with literally hundreds of other people just like me who've had the same experience with their Bible reading. These people are committed to reading the Bible. They're committed to the Lord. They love the Lord. They want to know the Bible. They want to know God. They want their Bible reading time to be meaningful They want it to be life-changing, but nobody's really ever taught them how, and they have the sense, like I did, that they could be getting more, and they should be getting more, and like me, they wanted more. They want more from their Bible reading. Maybe you can relate to me and all of these other people like me that I've come across over the course of years in ministry. Maybe you sense that you could be getting more out of your Bible reading, and you want more out of it as well. Then the guide that I'm going to share with you later and the course that I'm about to finish is made for you. 
So let me ask you a question. Why is it that when we want more out of our Bible reading, we know we could get more out of our Bible reading, we should get more out of it. Why is it that so many of us struggle to really have consistent, meaningful, powerful, life-changing Bible reading times? I've thought a lot about this over the years. I've experienced, like I said, hundreds of people dealing with this issue. And over the years, I've found there's really like four roadblocks that get in our way, they hang us up, and they keep us from getting the most out of our Bible reading. And in this episode, I want to share those four things, and maybe one or two of them will sound familiar to you. Okay, so here's roadblock number one. I don't know how to read the text. Now listen, I know we all learn how to read in kindergarten and first grade, so I don't mean we don't know how to read the English Bible. What I mean is I don't exactly know what to do with the Bible now that I have it. Right? So like I got a Bible and I didn't really even know where to start in it. Right? Should I start at the beginning like a regular book? I was told as a brand new believer I should start in the Gospel of John. I'm not sure why, because if you read the Gospel of John, the theology of that book is actually pretty serious and really assumes you know a ton about the Old Testament. But I learned right away that maybe this book isn't like a normal book. You don't start at the beginning. You can kind of start anywhere you want. Where should I start? In the Bible. Maybe I'm not sure whether I should read through the Bible or skip around. If you get a Bible reading plan, typically uh, they'll skip you around in the Bible. They'll give you two chapters of the Old Testament and one in the New Testament, maybe a chapter of Psalms or something like that. Uh, The interesting thing is you would never, ever do that with a real book. You'd never start in chapter 17 and then skip back to chapter 3 and then on to chapter 21. Uh, But with our Bible reading, we kind of skip around. Sermons and Bible studies very rarely just go from Genesis all the way through to the end of the Bible. Um, So it can be a little confusing where to start in the Bible and then how to go forward in what you're reading next. Should I focus on just one book, right? Should I dig into a book? Should I get commentaries? Should I write notes? Is that kind of study, is that kind of technical study with commentaries and note-taking, is that just for pastors and scholars? Uh, Should I just read the Bible and should I just read until something happens, until I feel something? I call that devotional Bible reading. We just sort of read until we feel like we got something out of it. We got some encouragement or some conviction or some comfort or, or whatever it is. We just read until we get that spiritual zinger and then we're done for the day. I think ultimately most people try some mix of those approaches to reading the Bible. Uh, Some people have tried all of these things. But ultimately, we struggle because we were never really taught what to do with the Bible, where to start, and how to keep going when we got it. So that's roadblock number one. I don't really know how to read this text. Roadblock number two, I don't really know how to understand the meaning of the text. So like, I get the words that I'm reading, right? In English, I understand how these sentences fit together and what all these words mean, but I don't really know what the author is actually talking about in the story or in the passage. Let me give you an example from Ezekiel chapter 1. Now, it came about in the 30th year on the fifth day of the fourth month. Now, I'm already kind of lost. I have no idea what calendar these guys are looking at. While I was by the river Kabar among the exiles, the heavens were opened and I saw visions of God. Okay, so I at least have the idea maybe this is going to be some sort of prophetic kind of thing. Let's keep reading. This is Ezekiel 1 verse 4. As I looked, behold, a storm wind was coming from the north a great cloud with fire flashing forth continually and a bright light around it, and in its midst, something like glowing metal in the midst of the fire. Uh, Okay, Uh, that's a vivid description. I'm not really sure what I'm looking at yet. 
Within it were figures resembling four living beings. And this was their appearance. They had human form. Okay, so now there are four guys, four people in this firestorm. Verse 6, each of them had four faces and four wings, and their legs were straight, and their feet were like a calf's hooves, and they gleamed like burnished bronze. Under their wings of their four sides were human hands. As for the faces and wings of the four of them, their wings touch one another. All right, listen, I don't need to keep reading. You can understand, like, I get the words, right? I understand how those sentences are formed. I can even try to picture that in my mind, but I have really no idea what the author is talking about. You can see why somebody starts reading the book of Ezekiel and says, forget it. Uh, I'm going to go to something a little more simple. So what is the meaning of the author? What is the author talking about? What is the point of the story and why is the story in there in the first place? Here's a great example for Mark chapter 14, verses 51 and 52. Jesus is being arrested, and as he's being arrested, all the disciples flee. Now, in the middle of that story, there are two verses that describe a guy who is going totally commando under his robes, right? He's got like no underwear, no drawers, no nothing. And he gets grabbed by the centurions and he runs away naked. Now, it's just two verses that describe a naked guy running away from Christ. Again, I understand the words. I understand the picture of the story. But it's not super obvious why that story is in there. And what's the point of that story? If you're curious, I did a whole episode uh, episode number three of the Corelet Training Podcast called What's Up With The Guy Going Commando in Mark. I did a whole episode on what that little passage is doing in there. It's not super obvious, though, if you're just reading along. What's the point of the story? Why is it in there? Another question you might have is how do the ideas that I'm reading about in the Bible fit together? And here I'm thinking of James chapter one, right? The book of James starts out with James saying, consider it all joy whenever you encounter various trials All right, so we're dealing with trials and persevering and becoming mature. And in verse 5, it says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all generously. All right, so now we've went from trials to wisdom. Okay. Um, And then verse 9, The brother of humble circumstances is to glory in his high position, and the rich man is to glory. All right, so now we're on to rich and poor people. How exactly do all of those things tie together? And is there a main idea in that passage? Like, is there a theme that the author is talking about? Often we get the words of the Bible. We understand what the words mean, and we understand sentences and grammar. But we're kind of confused about what the author is trying to say, what the author's meaning of the text is. So that's roadblock number two. I don't know how to understand the meaning of the text. Roadblock number three, I don't know how to connect the Bible that I'm reading with real life. So much of what we read in Scripture feels like it's not relevant to our time or our situation. It may be interesting, but if it's really not relevant to me in my life, it's super easy to lose interest in my reading. Let me give you just a couple of examples from Scripture. One is in 1 Kings chapter 13, verses 1 to 5. Now behold, there came a man of God from Judah to Bethel by the word of the Lord, while Jeroboam was standing by the altar to burn incense. He cried out against the altar by the word of the Lord and said, O altar, altar, thus says the Lord, Behold, a son shall be born to the house of David, Josiah by name, and on you he shall sacrifice the priests of the high places who burn incense on you, and human bones shall be burned on you. And then he gave a sign the same day, saying, This is the sign which the Lord has spoken. Behold, the altar shall be split apart, and the ashes which are on it will be poured out. Now, when the king heard the saying of the man of God, which he cried against the altar in Bethel, Jeroboam stretched out his hand from the altar, saying, Seize him. But his hand, which he stretched out against him, dried up so that he could not draw it back to himself. 
And the altar also was split apart, and the ashes were poured out from the altar, according to the sign which the man of God had given by the word of the Lord. Now, that story makes good sense in the context of the story of kings. Israel is idolatrous and rebellious, and their kings are always leading them in it. And the prophet comes and speaks a word of judgment and gives a sign to prove that the Lord has spoke. Like, I get all that in terms of how it connects in the story of First Kings. But I'm not exactly sure how that relates to my life. Like, I don't have an altar. I'm not sacrificing on an altar. Uh, there's no ashes because I've burned sacrifices on my altar. Um, I'm not worshiping. I'd like, I don't know exactly know how this relates to my real life. So it may be interesting to me, but it's not immediately applicable. It doesn't feel like. Let me give you another example. Psalm 6, verses 1 to 5. O Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger, nor chasten me in your wrath. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am pining away. Heal me, O Lord, for my bones are dismayed, and my soul is greatly dismayed. But you, O Lord, how long? Return, O Lord, rescue my soul, save me because of your loving kindness, for there's no mention of you in death. In Sheol, who will give you thanks? Now, I understand what all those words and sentences mean. The psalmist is crying out for help from the Lord. Things are tough. Things are rough all over. But what if my life is happy? <laughs> like, what if things are actually going really good for me and my soul isn't greatly dismayed? And this is my Bible reading for a day. How does this apply to my life? It's not obvious right away. And so, so much, as I said, so much of Scripture can feel like it's not really relevant to our time or our situation. And if it's not relevant, if we have really no idea how it applies to real life, it's easy to lose interest. It's easy to become demotivated. So not knowing how to connect the Bible with real life is a big demotivator. That's a big roadblock for us. And roadblock number four, I don't know how to stay motivated. Now, the first three roadblocks are all demotivators. If I don't know what to do with the Bible, if I don't understand the meaning of the text of the Bible, and if I don't know how to connect it with real life, you can see how that would be totally demotivating for me. I might keep at it because I'm committed. I might be trying to make God happy. I might be trying to show people I'm committed to the Lord. I don't know. But you can see if I'm struggling with those first three roadblocks, those are huge demotivators. And a lot of people really don't know how to stay motivated. You know you should read the Bible. It's hard to make time. It's hard to be consistent. You start a new year with a, a brand new Bible read through, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go for it this year. And then, you know, two weeks in, you're, you're kind of done. And so you think I'll start next month. And each month you say, I'll start next week. So it's, it's hard to be consistent and find time. Sometimes it's hard to enjoy and love it. I've met a lot of people that feel like sometimes Bible reading is a little bit like a chore. It's something they know they should do and they got to get done for the day. They feel bad if they don't get it done for the day. Some people feel like they have to read the Bible to sort of make God happy or keep God happy or make it up to God when they sin or something like that. A lot of people feel like reading the Bible is good for me, but it's really not a lot of fun. It's good for me, like a penicillin shot in the rear end, right? It's, it's good for me, but nobody's like choosing that. And the reality is we do what we love. If we love it, it's really not hard to keep going. If we love a hobby, it's not hard to do it a lot. It's not hard to spend a lot of money on it. It's not hard to make sacrifices to make it happen. If we love it, we do it. And we tend to avoid things that are no fun. And if Bible reading... I mean, just think about this. If Bible reading is not a lot of fun for you, then it's really hard to stay motivated. It's really hard to keep after it. And it's really hard to get all of the life-giving goodness that God means to give us. So maybe you relate to one of those roadblocks. Number one, 
I don't know what to do with the text. Number two, I don't know how to understand the meaning of the text. Number three, I'm not sure how to connect the text with real life. And number four, I'm not sure how to stay motivated. Maybe you relate to one of those roadblocks, maybe more. All right, dig it. Have you hit one of those roadblocks when you read? Do you want to develop the Bible reading skills that will get you more out of what you read? Maybe you're an old pro, but you want to take your Bible reading to the next level. If that's you, I want you to grab my free PDF guide called Next Level Bible Reading. In that guide, I want to teach you a simple, powerful three-step plan to engage with the Bible, to level up your Bible reading and get the most out of what you read. As my good friend Brad Hamilton once said, learn it, know it, live it. If you do, you'll level up your Bible reading and you'll find yourself getting way more out of what you read. You can download the guide for free at corelifetraining.org slash next level. I would love for you to get that guide. I would love for you to try it out and I would love to hear how it goes for you. I'd love to know whether it's helping you get more out of your Bible reading time. All right, you guys, thanks so much for checking out this episode. Don't forget after the outro is the drink of choice and your metal moment if you dig it. My name is Jeff Olson. I teach the Bible and I will check you later. All right, if you stick around for the drink of choice and the metal moment, thank you. Thank you so much for uh, taking a few extra minutes with me. This episode's drink of choice is called Ruined Again Triple IPA from Stone Brewing. Stone Brewing is one of my all-time favorite brewers. They're out of San Diego, California. Uh, if you've ever had Ruination Double IPA from Stone Brewing, you'll recognize Ruined Again. It's essentially Ruination Double IPA with more malt and more hops to make it more intense, to up the alcohol volume and up the intensity level of the flavor. Uh, it's got all the similar flavors and same vibe as Ruination, just sort of like on steroids. This is a good one. Uh, we have it in cans here at the Hoppy Brewer, so I've been able to get plenty of it uh, recently. So it's a killer beer. You should check it out. Ruined Again Triple IPA from Stone Brewing. And now for your metal moment for episode number 20. This one I am so stoked about, I can't even believe it. It's from one of my favorite bands called Yatra. And earlier in 2020, in January, they put out what I think is still my record of the year candidate. They put out a record called Blood of the Night. That record 100% totally shreds and rules. So heavy, so awesome. And they got busy during this whole coronavirus thing and decided to just go ahead and put out a whole nother record in 2020. That record comes out in October. I've already pre-ordered it, and as part of the pre-order, you get to download uh, one of the songs off the record ahead of time, which I've done, which I love, and I want to share it with you guys now. I won't say a ton about Yatra because I've already explained them on this podcast. These guys rule. Love everything about them. This is the title track called All Is Lost off their upcoming new album called All Is Lost. This is Yatra. Grab your drink of choice, kick back, and crank it up. <laughs> 